0: Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I have a special episode for you today. Hopefully, we're going to have more of these um, coming up, but this is this is the first of its kind. So hopefully, um, you love it. Definitely, as usual, you guys, let me know what you think of episodes when I try things that are a little bit different. I really like to hear from you whether it's helpful or not. So with all of that being said, I have a special guest today, and I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself because we just met as usual. Tell me who you are, what you do, what you specialize in, all of that.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Jacqueline Gallo and I am the CEO of Clarity and Action Consulting. It's a women's empowerment company on a mission to help women create lives they love. I started this business when I was actually in college and it's evolved through the years, I am a speaker. I've given a TEDx talk about courage. I've written two best selling books and I'm a life coach. So I specialize in helping women create lives they love, as simple as the kind of tagline for the company says. And I'm passionate about all things personal growth and really becoming the best version of yourself
0: love that. And specifically, one of the things that really stuck out when we first connected online to set up this interview was how much you really reiterate specifically the word courage, because that is a fundamental part of our Girl Scout organization mission, which is building girls of courage, confidence, and character to make the world a better place. So... I think that um, as most of you know who have been listening, hopefully, you know, my website for this podcast is buildinggirlsofcourage.com. And it just felt like there was a natural um, connection point there that that's the word you chose to use. So although I did not warn you about this question, I'm sorry that to start you off with one. Tell me, can you explain to me why you really emphasize a word like courage? Um, And of course, you also use these other words, but courage more than like self-esteem or confidence.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So courage became a really big thing for me in 2020 when I had the opportunity to give a TED Talk. And I was thinking about what I wanted to share on because I'm passionate about a lot of things surrounding personal development, surrounding women, and I reflect it on my journey of creating the business I have today and the failures I've been through. And I asked myself what the most pivotal moment was, if I had to just go back to a single moment. And it was obvious. It was late 2018. I had been building my business for just over two years at the time. And All I had done so far was fail. I launched a product that failed. I tried to launch an app that failed. and It was at this place in my life that I feel like I hit my rock bottom. I had credit card debt from trying to build these businesses. I was a college graduate, living at home with my parents. All my friends were out there in the world thriving and I thought about giving up on my dreams, even though I really saw myself as an entrepreneur. And I thought that I was meant to do this work in the world. It seemed like nothing was working. And I had no proof that I was going to be successful. I had no evidence, no reason to believe that I should keep going. But something about me in that moment decided to take the next step, decided to pick myself back up even after my app had failed three times. And when I was writing my TEDx talk, I thought about how there are so many people who are at that point in their life and they decide to give up. They decide to let go of their dreams. They decide to listen to the voices in their head that tell them that they're not enough. And my goal was to figure out what was it about me and my thoughts and my actions that enabled me to get back up when other people can't. So I did some research and I went back in my old journals and I found the journal entries from right around that time. And while they were filled with a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of frustration, every once in a while, I found a sentence that had a glimmer of hope. It was something like, this is so hard and I really want to give up, but I know I can do this. I know I'm capable. And what I realized was that in that moment, I had a lot of fears and I think we're taught that we're supposed to be fearless, but I was filled with fear. The difference was that my self-belief was just a little bit stronger than my fear. And so I was thinking about how to explain this. And the word that came up for me was courage. It felt like a little voice inside of my head that said, Jacqueline, you can do this. And that voice was just a little bit stronger than the voice of fear. So that's why I created what my TEDx is called the courage equation, which is courage equals belief greater than fear. And I think courage is different than confidence or self-esteem because I think it's about the action. I think courage is about having the self-belief to take the action step to move you closer to the things you want to accomplish in your life, to the life you want to have, whereas confidence is a state of being, it's an energy that you put out, and confidence helps take courageous action, confidence is a part of self-belief, but I think courage is really about the action, and our life changes as a result of action. We can't think our way into changing our life. We can't think our way into becoming the person we want to become, even though I'm a huge advocate for positive thinking at the end of the day, the result is the action. And that's why I think courage is so important. And that's why I place a lot of emphasis on that work.
0: I love that. We have this um, other kind of program structure in Girl Scouts, which is the acronym G-I-R-L, and it's Go-Getter, Innovator, Risk-Taker, and Leader. And the Risk-Taker portion specifically, but really all of it together, really comes back to this idea that helping girls take action when it comes to participating in risk-taking, taking risks, breeds that confidence and courage. And so I feel like that all feeds in exactly to what you're saying. So you've mentioned that you primarily, I don't know, primarily or specifically work with women. Primarily.
1: I don't okay. believe in exclusion, Yeah, but primarily women.
0: Okay. So do you think that women are disproportionately faced with like confidence and self-esteem and comparisonitis and resilience challenges compared to men? And if so, why?
1: I do. I think to preface this, we're all human. And I think many men struggle with confidence and self-esteem and building courage. The reason that I think in my experience that I found with my clients and the women that I work with, it especially impacts women, usually at a higher rate than men, is because majority of our waking life is coming from our subconscious mind it's 95 percent of our daily day-to-day life our actions thoughts beliefs that are rooted in our subconscious and our subconscious is formed between birth and eight years old so when we're very young we are taking in everything around us and we are forming beliefs about the way the world works it's especially important to observe when you're that age, authority figures. So teachers, parents, troop leaders, we're taking all of that in. And while many expressions and sayings and beliefs about women may be well-meaning, oftentimes they set us up to doubt ourselves. So for example, when you're told when you're young that you're supposed to be kind and not too bossy. Women think, okay, note to self. Now it's encoded in my subconscious mind. I can't be too confident. I can't be too good at giving directions. I can't put myself out there for this thing because I don't want to come off as X, Y, or Z. And so I believe that there are so many beliefs and just models in the world from, it could be TV shows, movies. It could be anything that children observe that formulate how, how women are supposed to behave. And, you know, it's like, sit still, be pretty, be nice. I think Taylor Swift talks about this a lot in her documentary. I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, um, about a lady and how she should keep her opinion to herself. And so I think as we grow up and we, now don't even realize that we're operating from this subconscious place because that's how we've been operating our whole lives. We don't even realize that there are these underlying beliefs that are holding us back from taking the actions we want to take, from putting ourselves out there for the opportunities, from being the risk taker. And so I think it's so wonderful, all of the work that Girl Scouts does to promote these messages from a young age. But unfortunately, there's a lot of work to be done Because there are just so many limiting beliefs that circulate the world. And no matter how much work can be done, we're still going to face experiences that create some of those beliefs. We're still going to run into them. We're going to see them. They're in society and they're in our culture. So it's really important that women are aware of the beliefs that are not true, that maybe they were taught, that maybe are hardwired in their subconscious mind and start to rewire their brains to think differently, to see themselves differently, to believe different things about who they are. Identity is everything. So our identity creates our thoughts. Our thoughts create our feelings. Feelings create actions. Actions create results, circumstances, life. So if we can change some of those identities and beliefs about women, that's a really great place to start. And I think that's why women typically have more self-confidence challenges.
0: Yeah, I i mean, there's so much about that I love. But first and foremost, I have to say, if you're listening to this and you have not watched the Taylor Swift documentary that she referred to, you guys, it's actually so good. And it doesn't really matter whether you are like a Taylor Swift fan or not. It is actually a truly good documentary. Um, I totally geek out about it. I've watched it, I think, three times, and I've cried every time. Um, It's really, really well done. So I highly recommend it, and it's on Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah. So as soon as I said it's on Netflix so confidently, all of a sudden I thought, well, there you go. This is exactly what you were just talking about, right? All of a sudden I was like, well, wait, I have every freaking streaming service, so I could be totally wrong. Okay. Anyway, it's great. Um. So I started to tell you this before we hit record. And I just realized I never actually told you the story. Um, I've shared this once on the podcast before, I think. But um, so one thing that stands out to me about this is um, y'all listening. know I had a multi-level troop. And so I grew up with these girls across all these different age levels. And so sometimes we would do activities all together and sometimes split up by by ages. But um, one of the activities we were able to do all together was we had somebody come in to do like a yoga and meditation session for kids. And um, at the end of the yoga session, she had them kind of all sort of uh, in a pretty comfy pose and they were going through this meditation and mantra thing where she was giving them affirmations And she was, um, encouraging them to like, think these thoughts in regards to themselves, like believe this about yourself. And one of them, well, a few of them were about, um, like I'm beautiful and I'm capable and these kinds of, of affirmations. Right. And I remember watching on the sidelines, um, And because we we had a lot of girls in one room and there was not enough room, otherwise I totally would have done it. But I was watching from the sidelines and I could see as our instructor was going through these affirmations, I watched this girl who was in, I think, third grade at the time, completely drop out of the pose And totally just fall out of it. And it was so clear as she was hearing these affirmations that she absolutely did not believe them about herself. And in a moment when she thought absolutely no one was watching, everyone's eyes were closed. She was one in a group of many. um, You could see it in her body language that she did not believe those things about herself and specifically about her body image. And that crushed me, you guys, to think that a third grade girl would already be feeling those things so strongly about herself. So I'm wondering if you can talk about a little bit about when these challenges really start for girls developmentally. And and you touched on this a little bit, but like, where do these challenges come from socially? And what can we do to kind of try to counter that or give girls alternative experiences that help send different messages to their brains? So, the first thing is we can help program their brains when
1: they're in that birth to eight years old. And some people say seven. So, like those really young ages. And what is the youngest age of the troop? Did you say five years old?
0: Yeah. So, our youngest members are kindergarten. (laughs) Okay, great.
1: So, those years are so pivotal because this is when they're taking in everything. And it's a bit easier for them to believe the things you're saying. As they get older, when they're 9, 10, they already have these beliefs. And when you're saying something about them being beautiful or confident or powerful, they now need to rewire, which is a totally different process. So the first thing I would say is from the very beginning, choosing some affirmations that feel really aligned for the women that you would love to see these girls grow up to be and speak them into them every day. If you're a mom, while you're brushing your daughter's hair in the morning, those critical ages speak to them in these positive ways. I am statements are the most powerful because like I said, the identity creates everything below it. So that's the first thing. The good news is if your troop has girls that are older than eight years old in them, or if you have children that are older than eight years old, or if you're an adult and you're like, I have these limiting beliefs because we all do. I still have limiting beliefs that I work on every single day. The good news is we have the beautiful ability to rewire our brains. It is so amazing that we can do that. We can change any habit. We can change any belief. So this is where the work begins. And it's something that I would absolutely recommend doing with the girls of all ages, but especially those eight and older. And it's really work around first bringing awareness to what these beliefs are. So maybe you have them fill out some kind of private survey where they're answering these questions. Do, do you agree with this statement? I am beautiful. I'm kind. I'm smart. And just get them to honestly answer for themselves about how they feel about themselves. And for any area where they're lacking self-belief, this is where the rewiring begins. There's lots of different ways to rewire your brain, to adapt a different belief. And I could talk for an hour just about those things. So I'm just going to give you a few different kind of ideas for things that I've seen work for myself and a lot of my clients, and you can try them. There's no right way. Try on different ways for yourself, for your daughter, for your troop. It's really helpful if you have a group of people to maybe give them some options. Sometimes it's also helpful to give really clear directions. So maybe you try one specific strategy one week, a different specific strategy another week. That way it's not confusing for the girls. They have really clear directions, but they're also able to try different strategies. So the first way that I love is giving first No matter what strategy you're doing, the second step is to form the new belief. So it would be really easy in the case of, okay, you acknowledge these affirmations which feel true, which don't. The new belief is that, of course, you want it to feel true. Sometimes you might be speaking to a girl, and you may hear something she says that's pointing out a limiting belief, a fear: "I'm not enough. I don't have the courage to take that action. Whatever it is, my body's not. I'm enough.
0: bad at that. That's something that I hear all the time from girls. I'm bad at that. I'm bad at math. I'm just not good at that. Um, they that's like really will write that off right away. Yeah, that's okay. A good one. Perfect. So you hear this in real time. So then
1: the your job first is help them see what the belief that they would like to believe is. And this is work in and of itself. Like even to get the girls to see, like I would feel better about myself if I believed I was good at that. I would feel happier. I would like to believe I'm good at that because I have goals for my life. I mean, I remember when I was in third grade, when I was a little girl, I had big dreams and big visions for who I wanted to be in the world and what I wanted to do. And while it was not very defined and I didn't know what it was going to look like, I could have probably understood that if I believed positive things about myself, like I'm good at these things, it would be more likely that I would get to achieve these things I wanted in my life, right? So even if you can just start to help bridge the gap for them to see why they would want to even believe that they're good at things, right? And then let's use the I'm bad at math example. So step three in this one process, one example, is an evidence list. So you want to give your brain evidence for why this belief is true, because our brains are super logical and the more evidence we can give it, the better. So if there's a girl who says she's bad at math, maybe you can ask her, hey, can you give me three examples of times you were good at math? And this is really important because Our brains have a processing system called the reticular activating system, which is essentially our way of processing the vast amounts of information we come across on a daily basis. It would be impossible to process everything. Like you'd be driving down the road and every billboard would scream out at you. It would just be physically impossible. So it's like a computer. It's like an Excel chart that's organizing all of the data that comes into our brains. And this filter is programmed by our thoughts and beliefs. So if you think I'm bad at math, what you're going to get is evidence for all of the reasons you're bad at math. If you can start to think that you're good at math and start to give your brain some reasons why you're good at math, you can change the filter. And all of a sudden, the only things that are going to get through the filter are reasons you're good at math. Then when you feel good at math, you're going to feel more confident asking the question in class because you don't feel like you're stupid, but you feel like you're good at math and you don't understand this thing. Then you're going to understand it better. You're going to feel more confident on the test. You're not going to have test anxiety. You're going to actually be able to function well and answer the questions that you know the answers to. So there's there's so many profound effects that actually change the circumstances and you're actually gonna see the world differently through the new filter. So getting the girls to list some reasons, some examples, and sometimes it can be really hard. This is when you really have to dig deep and help them see, maybe provoke some examples. So for example, if I'm coaching a client on their money mindset. And they're like, there's never enough money. Like I'm really struggling financially. And I ask them, let's say the belief they're working on is, um, you know, money comes to me in unexpected ways or money's always flowing to me. I might ask them, can you give me an example of a time money has flowed to you? And they'll be like, never, it's never happened. And I'm like, really? Did you ever get a check in the mail for your birthday from aunt, uncle, loved one, when you were a kid, right? And, oh, yeah. And I can start to come up with some reasons. Do you get a paycheck? Have you ever gotten a bonus, right? And all of a sudden they have a list. So sometimes you need to provoke uh, some possible examples that might be true for them to get them thinking. And then once they're thinking of the examples, the filter starts to change and they see more examples. Even to get them to acknowledge that they would like to believe that they were better at math is a huge step. The thing with affirmations and changing our identity is that if it doesn't feel true to us, then it's not really working. So this is why affirmations sometimes get a bad reputation because sometimes people will tell me, Jacqueline, I've tried, I've stood in the mirror. I've said the affirmations, and nothing changes. And I'll ask them, well, what affirmations are you saying? And they're like, well, I'm saying I'm a millionaire. Now I'm a millionaire. And I'm like, Hmm. So you're struggling and you're in lots of debt and you're saying you're a millionaire. It's probably not going to feel true to you. So there's something that can be really helpful called a bridge affirmation. And what this is, is it bridges the gap between where you are now and where you want to go. And your mind can get behind it. It can start to believe it. And then once you believe that fully, then you can move on to the next belief that is closer and closer to where you want to go. So with the I'm bad at math, a bridge affirmation would be I'm getting better at math every day with the, I'm a millionaire. A bridge affirmation would be my financial situation is improving every day, or I'm in the process of creating financial freedom. So you can also start to feel out, does this feel so untrue to them? And if so, how can I meet them where they are and help them just start to form a new belief? So that's one example, the evidence list. There's lots of other ways you can rewire the brain. Journaling is always helpful. So any form of journaling, even if you're just getting them to like, write out their feelings. That's always helpful. Um, I love doing visualization. It's essentially another tool to do that same thing, reprogram that reticular activating system filter. And there's so many studies on it. One of my favorite studies is a foul shot study where, um, a professor at the university of Chicago, his name's Dr. Bia Soto. He, uh, took three groups of people and he had them shoot foul shots and he measured their accuracy. And then he took one group, group one, and he said, okay, you're the control. So he just had them, he had them shoot the shots, come back in a week, shoot the shots again and measured. Then he had group two. He said, you are the 3D practicing group. So you guys are going to come to the gym every day for an hour and practice shooting the foul shots. And then he had group three, the visualization group. And he said, you guys are gonna close your eyes and visualize every day for an hour yourself making the foul shots. So the difference between group two and group three was that group two is actually shooting and group three was just closing their eyes and imagining it. So a week later, he brings the groups back in and he measures the improvement group one, the control stayed the same group two improved by 24%. So by practicing and actually physically shooting the free throws, they improved by 23% group three, the group that only, imagined that they were scoring the free throws improved by 23%. So it was only 1% difference from just closing their eyes and imagining than it was to actually shoot the foul shots. There's studies that actually measure the brain's activity when we're imagining things and it's no different than if it were real. So there's studies of people playing the piano versus imagining playing the piano and our brain has the same brain waves. So what this means is that we can change anything about ourselves. We can almost act as if we've already done the things by just closing our eyes and imagining. So if there's a girl in your troop who wants to become better at math, simply by closing her eyes, imagining that she's getting good grades on her math tests, imagining that she's practicing her math problems or whatever it is that the girls are working towards creating in their life. It is proven scientifically to help improve and get them closer to what they want. So a visualization practice would be a good thing to do in a meeting and You can lead one just simply by having the girls call to mind a goal, something they're working towards, something they really want, an area of their life they want to improve in, an area of life that maybe they don't feel secure or confident in, but they would like to, and just have them close their eyes and imagine that they are thriving, that things are working out for them, that they're really good at this thing, that they're practicing this thing, that they're getting better at this thing. You can even lead them through a more specific visualization around a specific goal, or there's tons of visualizations on YouTube. You could maybe find one ahead of time that you like, that you think would be relevant for them and play it at the meeting. But that's a really great tool. I'm going to stop there because I could, like I said, go on and on and on with lots of tools in the toolbox, but those are two really good places to start.
0: I love everything about this. I feel like, um, I hope that people listening are feeling the same, but I am just, like ready to plan a meeting. And also, for those of you who are listening um, and getting those creative wheels turning, one of the things that I'm really thinking about with girls on the younger end, like K to five, is how to make these physical. So... Um, Again, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you've probably heard me suggest things like run to this side of the room for this, then run to that side of the room for that. And so not necessarily asking girls with the wiggles to sit still with their eyes closed and and thinking, but like have them physically moving at the same time as they're thinking. Right, That's like a thing that I tend to encourage um, on this podcast every now and then I won't say all the time, but every now and then. So ways to make it physical. And also um, another thing that was kind of coming to my mind is like, even if it's less physical than that, this idea of like growing um, with the bridge affirmations, like maybe if everybody's kind of standing, but they all crouch down into a ball and then they like go up a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher till they're like stretching tall. um, That's another way to maybe kind of make it physical. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about adding physical activity into because sometimes we have the best of intentions with these really great activities, but with these, um, especially elementary girls, but it could be any age they're so like burnt out from sitting all day at school and all of this that, uh, the more we can give them the opportunity to expel some energy, it kind of (laughs) helps.
1: I think it's great. There's actually a lot behind moving your body and how that impacts your thoughts, I know Rachel Hollis always says, move your body, change your mind, and it's just a good way to get the juices going and feel better. So I think it would be a bonus to have them moving while they're doing some of these things.
0: Yeah. So hopefully um, if you're listening to this, you're getting some, some creative wheels turning, but if you think of cool ways to adapt, these ideas and suggestions to your specific group, I want to hear them. So hop into the Facebook group and definitely let me know if you have pictures that you are able to share. And again, it's a closed group, but you're going to want to make sure that it's okay with the the situation with families, et cetera, that you're sharing photos. But if you have photos, I want to see them. If you want to email them to me privately, like that's okay too. I want to know how you're adapting these things, um, these ideas and suggestions. Okay. So one thing that I did not put on here, but also came to mind while you were talking. Um, So we definitely have girls like the example that I shared who uh, we can see the struggle, but we also have the opposite where we have girls who are super bold and I don't want to put words into their feelings because every girl is different, but sometimes the boldest girls still don't have confidence. Right. Uh, But they come across super outgoing and confident and, Uh, bold and brash. And sometimes that's very disruptive and frustrating when you're trying to lead a group activity. And one thing that I've struggled with that I know I've, I've heard from other people that sometimes can be a struggle is how do we manage the group dynamic without like dimming that girl's light. Right. Like I want her to be bold. I want her to put herself out there, but also I see how it's influencing her relationships with other girls. I, I definitely get frustrated when it's disruptive or it extends activities for a really long time. And so I'm sorry for laughing at this, but I just know there's other, I'm trying to word it in a nice way, but there's so many people listening that I know can so relate to that one girl. That's just like the thumb. Right. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions about that? I think it's a lot in your wording
1: in how you're speaking to them. So. I've heard before, which I love um, from Amanda Francis, who I follow, and she is a financial empowerment expert and she has um, two young stepchildren and she talks a lot about the way to communicate with them even when you're disciplining them. So instead of saying like you were wrong for taking that toy from your brother, she'll say it was wrong to take the toy from your brother. So just like we talked about with the identity of positively influencing identities that are serving them, we don't want to negatively add to identities that aren't serving them. Like I am wrong. Right. So I think it would be the same way with a a girl who has a lot of energy in the group. It's going to be about communicating that it's not about her. It's about her actions. And it's not that her actions aren't great for other settings, but it's not appropriate in this specific setting. And being able to just communicate that, I think, would be incredibly powerful. And also remember, you can't mess it up. Like Your energy is everything. Children feel that. Everyone feels that. Adults feel energy. Especially children feel it. So, when you're approaching it from a loving kind energy, even when you feel frustrated, but you know, like you said, you don't want to dim this girl's light. You just want the activity to be able to be finished on time, which means she's going to have to stop talking, right? When you approach it from just being genuine, it's going to have an impact. So, I would worry less about the words. Keep in mind, you don't want to associate any negative identities with who they are. It's not who they are. It's their actions. It's their behaviors. It's different. And also that it's appropriate in other settings, just not this one. Right. And, and communicate that. But on top of that, really just be kind, be genuine, be yourself. Know that the energy communicates a lot more than your words can ever communicate. And even when you're frustrated, like it's just who you are, you are showing up, volunteering your time to support these girls. They feel that. Love, even when you're angry, even when you're frustrated, the energy's there. It's behind it. It's your intentions and no amount of frustration or anger or saying the wrong thing can ever take away from that because that's the underlying intention. We can all feel that even when the girls can't really put words to that. So yes, I have some
0: advice and I also just want to say you can't mess it up. Thank you for that. Um, I, I really, I appreciate those words. So we have already spent so much time and there's just a couple more things that I really want to try to squeeze into this interview, um, but I feel like I could talk to you all day. Okay. So two things that um, kind of face us as just adults, primarily women listening to this. Um, if you're a man listening to this, PS, tell me that you're here. Send me an email, at gmail.com. Tell me like, hey, stop treating your listeners. Like we're all women because I'm not one and, and also non-binary that counts too. And I'm not trying to be exclusive. Um, I'm under the impression that most of you listening identify as women. So let me know if you don't, but anyways, um, okay. So comparisonitis, um, and I, I want to talk about this specifically, as it pertains to us, the adults. And I feel this with other troops who maybe you know in your area or other troops that with Facebook groups, these massive Facebook groups where people are sharing these incredible activities that they do and this and that, um, I think it can create this sort of feeling that everybody's got these amazing troops doing these incredible things, but I'm just like Joe Schmo showing up doing – the bare minimum of what I can and just trying to get by. And am I, am I, I don't know. I'm seeing all these shiny versions of what Girl Scouting can look like online. And sometimes that's inspiring. And sometimes maybe it makes us feel like we're falling short. So how do we handle comparisonitis? Yeah.
1: It's something that we all face in all areas of life. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to explore and let go of. Something I heard you say is looking at it as inspiring. That is one good strategy. I'm going to give multiple. So stay tuned if this one doesn't resonate. But when you see someone who's doing something that you truly desire. So if you want to be that kind of troop leader, if you want to do activities like that, I always look at it as if she can do it, so can I. So I see that in my business. I see that in career. If there's a woman doing something really awesome and I'm jealous and I'm like, why is she farther along than me? Why aren't I there? I think, oh, wait, I feel that way because that's something I want, right? That's what jealousy is. Jealousy is wanting something that someone else has, but maybe there's a part of you that doesn't believe it's possible for you. So that's a limiting belief. And now your new empowering belief is if she can do it, so can I. What a beautiful opportunity to see myself in her, to see this feeling of jealousy as really just desire and use it as clarity on my desires. So that's that's one option. Another option is you're actually not jealous. You actually don't want to do that. You have other priorities. Maybe your career is really important to you. Maybe you have your own children, multiple of children, and your number one priority isn't having the best possible Cookie drive, or whatever it is that you're working on, activity or meeting. Your priority is just to show up and be there for the girls and make a difference in their lives. And you're really not jealous of that thing, but it still makes you feel like, man, am I not enough because they're doing that? This is a different way to reframe them because you don't really want what they have. So it's not really. Going to inspire you. You might think that's awesome for them, but I don't want that. But there's still that part of you that wonders if what you're doing is enough. Now your work becomes giving your brain evidence of why the work you're doing is enough, is so impactful. Your affirmations are I am enough. What I give to my chapter is enough, right? Just really believing that. Okay. How can you give your brain some evidence? And it can be the most simple, basic things like showing up. For one hour, once a week and giving these girls a space where they can be themselves, where they can thrive, where they can learn good values is life-changing, even if I do nothing other than hold the space. Amazing. A few more reasons. By me bringing my warm energy and putting a smile on my face, I am positively impacting them. By leading the activities that I lead every week, let's say there's like one or two activities you do in every meeting. Those things are impacting the girls in these ways. It's giving them confidence. It's giving them courage. And that is so powerful. And it's enough. It's more than enough. It's a blessing. It is truly changing lives. So it's not about being better than someone else. It's about the impact that you're having on their lives. And especially if you don't even desire those things, right? Like it's one thing if you want to be that kind of leader and that's amazing too. There's no right way. There's what's right for you in your life and what feels in alignment for you. So I think tapping into that first and then saying, okay, should I go with scenario one where I'm using this as inspiration. I'm feeling excited and inspired and like, that's possible for me. Or should I more so view this as scenario two? That's not actually what I want. And my, my job here is to build my own self-belief that I am enough and the work I'm doing is enough. So that's what I think about comparison.
0: Okay. That's totally and completely related to the other thing. I had said two things. And the, the second thing is Um, When you feel like something fails. And so I want to really capture what this feels like, because every single person listening, I know you've been there. We've been there. Um, And so you put a ton of time and effort, whether that's planning hours, um, execution hours money raised. So then it's also the number of hours that you put into raising that money. You really put a lot into and even emotional energy into your troop, into an activity, into a camping weekend, into an event, into a meeting, um, even just into like a specific activity in a meeting. Right. And then it doesn't go the way it planned. Um, Maybe it totally flops. Maybe the girls are like out of control and chaotic that night and we beat ourselves up and we We feel like we're failing and um, that there's no point in even doing this because how could we even be having an impact in a situation, a positive impact in a situation like that? Or even worse, we feel like we made a negative impact in that situation. So do you have any other tips or suggestions for, A, shifting our mindset, but also just handling it in general in those moments? Yeah, I have both. So I like to see failures as either
1: a lesson or a redirection. So a lesson means you have a goal you're working towards. So maybe the goal is building confidence with the girls in your troop. And there's something that you need to learn. You put this goal out there. You're like, I want this thing. You're thinking about it. You're excited about it. You know, you plan this event to move towards this specific goal and it goes wrong. There may have been something that you needed to learn, whether it's in your leadership skills or something you didn't know about the girls, something you didn't think about or plan, but it's a blessing to learn that thing. Because if you really care about the goal, if you really care about the end goal, the outcome, like building the girl's confidence, then you get to use this lesson and next time in the future, create the thing that you actually want, create the end goal. So lessons are always blessings and sometimes we need them and that's okay. They're actually serving us. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to have the end goal that we want to have, make the impact we want to make. The other thing is a redirection. So maybe you think that one thing's going to work. Maybe you listen to this podcast and you're like, okay, we're going to sit the girls down. We're going to do affirmations with them. And you're excited about it. You think it's going to work. and then. Like Sarah mentioned, they go crazy. They're not listening. They can't sit still. You're just like, this is not working at all. This is doing nothing for them. Well, maybe it's a redirection. Hmm. Maybe you're being guided to a different way of doing this. And maybe Sarah's suggestion of getting them to walk to one side of the room and then the other side of the room while they're saying these things are going up and down is the perfect way that it is going to click for one of the girls in your troop, and that's going to change their entire life to believe that they are worthy or capable or smart enough or beautiful is going to change everything about the trajectory of their entire life. That's the impact. And that redirection is a blessing. So at the end of the day, failure sucks when you're going through it. But if you care so much about the angle, if you care so much that you're listening to this podcast, all of the lessons and all of the redirections are adding up to everything you want. And you get to believe that. You get to lean into that. And if you want some proof, look at your own life. I love to find opportunities in my life where things didn't go the way I wanted them to. And it seemed like it wasn't working out, but then later it actually worked out even more magically than I could have imagined. And I find that most people have a story or two like this, maybe how they met their significant other, maybe their career and how that's played out, or maybe they're living it right now. Maybe you're living out that story right now. And it always works out and you get to trust that. The other thing I want to talk about is when you're in the failure, what to actually do. So other than reflecting and believing that it's adding up and getting you closer and serving you, when you're in it, my recommendation is always just take the next step. So if the girls are going crazy and the activity is not working, the next step might be end the meeting. And then the next step after that might be, don't think about it for a day. And then the next step after that might be, okay, talk to some other leaders, brainstorm, see if anyone's this. has anyone done any similar activities, right? And when you just go the next step and then the next step and then the next step, eventually, you're going to get where you want it to go. You're going to climb out of that hole, that failure, but it's going to be a lot easier because you didn't force yourself to just like the bridge affirmations leap to somewhere you weren't that felt so uncomfortable, but you were able to meet yourself
0: where you're at and slowly climb out
1: of it. And that's really helpful.
0: So good. Okay. So last thing we'll squeak out. Um, You mentioned to me before we started recording, was that you were a Girl Scout growing up. So can you share a little bit about your experience, maybe a good memory, and um, if you think that has impacted like who you are and what you do today? Yeah, it was a
1: lot of fun. I met some of my best friends that I still have to this day as an adult in Girl Scouts. So I think it's a really uh, beautiful example of just the power of community. And I Definitely think it's impacted me in a lot of ways, just being in that group, prioritizing women. Um, I feel like I'm proud to be a woman and that is a value that I think I developed as a young girl, especially in Girl Scouts, just being in a group that promoted being a woman and how great it was. And I really loved that. I remember camping. That's, that's the most vivid memory for me was going on our camping trip and actually being really uncomfortable. I remember, oh, I was kind of like the type of child that didn't like dirty things. I don't know where this developed in kindergarten. I peed my pants in front of the whole class because I refused to use the school bathrooms because I thought they were dirty. I guess my mom was just really clean. I don't know. So camping was really gross for me. It was really out of my comfort zone. You know, the cabin, it just seemed kind of like, we had to use the outdoor bathrooms and all these things. And I remember my mom was there, but she was leaving that night. It was like, it was like, I think it was like one night we were staying over and she was there all day, but she couldn't stay that night. I think she had a wedding to go to actually. Um, so she had drove all the way there and drove all the way home. Cause she's was amazing and is amazing. still to this day. And um, I remember being really homesick. I remember having a physical cramp in my stomach the first time I ever felt that feeling in my life. And I think I really took away from that experience was getting out of my comfort zone. And that served me so much because as i got older i wasn't afraid to get out of my comfort zone i wasn't afraid to do things that were uncomfortable and do something that was uh i didn't like whether it was dirty or homesick or more adult things that i faced as an adult and i think it was really beautiful to be supported by that group while i was getting out of my comfort zone and to learn that it wasn't that scary and that i could handle it and i could do hard things and i think all girls need to learn that all humans really at a young age so I think that's one beautiful memory I have, and I think it's amazing, and you all are having such an impact on these girls' lives, and it's just really beautiful, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share with you today some tools that might help even more.
0: Yes, thank you so much, and I know I am obsessed with this interview. I'm obsessed with so many of the the tools and tips and strategies and practices that you've shared. So I can't wait to keep in touch with you. And I am 100% sure that people listening feel the same. So where can we find you? How can we follow you? Um, and what are you working on right now that that you might want to share that might be something that would interest us?
1: <laughs> yeah. So if you are interested in personal development, whether it be for yourself or for uh learning more about it. So you can apply it to uh, your troop. I have a podcast called spark your light. And I talk all about different personal development topics and you can find me there. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Jacqueline Gallo on Instagram. It's Jacqueline double underscore Gallo and Facebook. It's just Jacqueline Gallo. And something I'm working on that would interest you. I'm, I'm coming out with a membership this month, that is all about creating a life you love. So every single month, I'm going to teach a different masterclass live on a topic related to creating a life you love. And my members are going to be able to um, vote for their favorite topic and it's only $33 a month. So it's super affordable. So if you are really interested in the personal development thing and want to learn more actively, uh, stay tuned for that. I'm going to be posting about it everywhere. So you won't be able to miss it.
0: I love it. Thank you so, so, so much for all your time today. Um, I I loved this. I think it was awesome. And again, if you're listening, tell me if you loved this as much as I did, or if you're like, Sarah, keep your personal development to yourself. Like, just let me know because I need to know if you love this. Um, you guys told me you wanted more interviews and getting um enough troop leader specific interviews to have an episode every week is kind of hard. So this is um, an alternative. I want to know what you think. Do you love this as much? Um, So yeah, tell me what you loved about it. Tell me what you thought was the most helpful. And please make sure you let me know how you are using some of Jacqueline's tips with your troop. I want to know all about it. What are you inspired to try? And what have you already done that you feel like is on topic? And um, once you do try some of these things that you haven't done yet definitely let us know. And I will make sure that unless you share it with her directly, I'll make sure to share it with her as well. So, all right. Thank you guys so much. And I will talk to you next week.